Hello there. This is Wale Olulano, the presiding apostle of Harmony Christian Ministries. I'm happy that you can join us today in our podcast. I pray today's message will encourage, edify, and illuminate your heart, wherever your circumstances may be. Please relax and enjoy. Praise the Lord. Well, turn in your Bibles with me to Genesis 22. We read from verse 13. The Bible says, Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. There behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. He said, as it is said till this day, in the month of the Lord shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham second time out of heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, say the Lord. See, when God begins to swear to you, I mean, he has brought himself to your level just for you to believe, not because he had to do this, but for you to believe that what I said I will do. By myself I have sworn, Said the Lord, because you have done this thing, listen, because you have done this thing, and have not withheld your only son, blessing, I will bless you. In multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sound which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies. Do you know what it means for your descendants to possess the gates of your enemies? Enemy has gate, has stuff, has his blessings there. But when your descendant possesses, they have inherited what you, you didn't pay for. Your descendant will possess the gate of the enemy. So asset base is increasing. The Bible said in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because you have obeyed my... Touch somebody and say obedience pays. Yeah, it does. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We bless your name because it is true and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And I ask you right now, Lord, that you will anoint my tongue. Like the pen of the ready writer that I might speak your word. Profoundly, accurately, in this short space of time that we have got. Open our hearts to receive your word. Lord, grant unto each one of us understanding. I bind every spirit of unbelief in this place. Cast it out of here. And I thank you for the reward of obedience. I thank you because none of us shall remain the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Quickly this morning I'm ministering on Jehovah, my perpetual provider. I believe in the year of perpetual praise. We must understand as praise is going on. Provision is accompanying it. Because they go together. You can't praise God with an empty hand. You can't praise God with an empty mouth. I told us the other day, praise cannot be silent. Praise has to be spoken. There has to be something moving. And praise must be living. God called us that we may be fruitful, that we bear fruit. He called us that there is power in unity. He told us that we should be fruitful, but guess what? Nobody can be fruitful by themselves. The Bible tells us in Matthew 18 verse 19. He says, again I say unto you, if two of you will agree. You see that? 
as to touching a matter. That's one of the reasons why we come together. There is a place for corporate prayer. Or say, Pastor, we're about three in our house. That's enough. But then there is a place of obedience where he has commanded this instruction. So that's one of the reasons we come together so that our iron can sharpen one another. So that's why I've got good news for somebody here. I came to announce to somebody that you are pregnant. Amen. I will call upon God. You will not end up in shape. Amen. You are pregnant with God's promises. Amen. You are pregnant with God's power. Amen. You are a person that is going somewhere to happen. Amen. And what you carry is worth guarding. Somebody say it is worth guarding. You can't throw away what you have. You can't, you can't treat it anyhow. It's worth guarding. So because of it's so precious to God. Whenever someone is pregnant, they are like a person who is in transit. They are not where they started from. Neither have they yet arrived at the final destination. So they are in transit. And when you are in transit, friends, it's important what you do. You must take care. You must protect what you are carrying. Amen. You can't afford to be careless with the grace of God upon your life. You know something when people are in transit, thieves are common. Thieves look for people who are traveling who don't know where they are going to. When people are in transit, they are either looking for a way or they are just getting carried away with the scenery that they are looking at. There are some airports you go to that you can forget your next flight. When people are in transit, you must watch out for destiny thieves. Because a lot of people lose their destiny because they are in transit. It's a point of where you are excited at what you are about to come into. And sometimes you are thinking about what you have left behind. And that's the point that if you don't take care what voice you are listening to, you can take the wrong gates. You can take the wrong turning. It's almost between one year coming into another year. It's a transit. It's going between a job going to another job. It's a transit. And when we talk about transit, every point of your life you must know that God is always taking us from glory to glory. How we handle transits of life, it's important. That's one of the reasons why I'm preaching this message this morning. When we talk about transit, one man that is quite familiar with transit is Abraham. Abraham was called of God that go leave your father's house to the place where I'm going to take you to. He was not quite there. He kept on going. He kept on traveling. He moved from nation to nation. He was a man who was moving from tent to tent. He was in transit. Once or twice, he missed it. He felt, you know what? This moving around is, I'm tired. He went down to Egypt. When you go to wrong places where you are in transit, you gather things you don't need. You fall into hands and friendship and accusation, accusations that God has not called you into. And Abraham once in a while, he found himself in that position. But because one thing that was clear about Abraham, he feared the Lord. And because he feared the Lord, God was always able to bring him back into the right line. May the Lord bring you back to the right path. May you not miss the direction that God has for your life. He was so important in the life of Abraham. This association he believed with God, that God called him his friend. God called Abraham his friend. And I found out that only, it's not only Abraham that actually God wants to call his friend. He called us his friend as well. But he called us his friend with a caveat. 
The Bible says concerning you and I in John chapter 15, verse 13. It says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now I said in verse 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. See that if. So we don't just call ourselves the friend of God. Abraham was the friend of God because he did whatever God asked him to do. God wants to call you his friend too. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be my friend. But the condition of that friendship is in obedience. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you to. Now the question is, are you prepared to do that? When you read the scriptures, Abraham remains a, a giant that stood out. As a matter of fact, God picked him up as a model to demonstrate to you and I how he wants to relate to us. That's what happened. God picked him as a complete unbeliever. He picked him by grace, just like he saved you by grace. And he told him, follow me. And Abraham left everything and followed God. To where? He didn't know. He was just following. The Bible tells us later on in, in Hebrew, he said they were going to a place, not knowing that city, they were looking for a city whose foundation and maker is God. What they sought was not earthly. And I told us you cannot follow God if all you can do is just to use senses to locate God. To be his friend, we must look at this model. That's the reason why we sing songs that Abraham's blessings are ours. We didn't say Adam's blessings are ours. I mean, Adam dwelt in the garden. He had everything. We didn't say Noah's blessing is ours. Noah that sacrificed and God gave the rainbow covenant. A covenant that he marked with the rainbow sign. But Abraham, so what made Abraham so unique? Now remember in the beginning of this series, Unlocking Perpetual Praise. We told ourselves that we cannot praise without sacrifices. Because we don't know or because some things have been abused by others. Particularly when we talk about sacrifices to God. Giving to God. It's been abused. Now that does not remove its original intention. We told ourselves that many things have been abused. But you can't say because it's been abused. Therefore, it has no relevance. What you and I should seek is what should be the original use. Not the abused state of it. And because we are a church that is informed of people who are barriers, we said, you know something? Let us go into the word of God. Let us find out what the Bible says. Last week, we told ourselves that there is a rainbow in our praise. I remember going to the airport with one of our brothers in the house. And I saw this design in the gangway as we walk into the terminal. And I saw the rainbow thing there. And I said, wow, this is beautiful. He said, yeah, pastor, but you know that thing? And I understand what he's saying. I understand what he's saying. But because some things have been hijacked does not mean the owner does not have entitlement to it. So we told ourselves, the same way God gave us a rainbow as a symbol. That when you see it, it means God's word is still true for you. Amen. So today, I want us to look at Abraham. Now, Abraham had a nephew called Lot. So there was a day, Lot in the country he was staying in, in Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible said that the place was overrun by five nations. And they took away Lot and so many other things were taken away. So news came to Abraham. Abraham, they've taken away your nephew. And what Abraham did there really surprised me. 
The Bible said it wasn't that he prayed to God. He didn't ask God, God, should I go like David did? The Bible said that Abraham took 318 trained men in his house. He armed them. And he said he was going to fight. Now, fight who? Fight five nations. When I thought about it, I mean, five nations, each nation has its own battalion. For whatever happened, the Bible says to us, Abraham went and conquered these five nations. Now, you must understand it was not Abraham and his 318 men. It's just like if you will be so wrong to think it was David that killed Goliath. Hello, somebody. I'm trying to link things for you to understand. It's just for you to think that it was your wisdom that got to your job. Or it's your wisdom that is sustaining you there. So when Abraham went to this battle with 318 men, the Bible said he conquered those folks. And when you conquer in the battle, everything your enemy has becomes yours. That's the order of war. So Abraham, who was not a poor man, he left the place with points of war of five nations. Now these nations, they were not poor nations. And the thing that happens is, everything that they had became his. Friends, you must understand that the king of Sodom and Gomorrah did not hire Abraham, right? So there was nothing like a principal and an agent. So there was no deal that you bring them and I'll give you this. So the Bible said he went and he was bringing back all these things. Slaves! He already had slaves. He was already a rich man, but he was a super rich man now. And as he was going home with his nephew, the Bible said all of a sudden a man showed up. And the man that showed up, he's a strange man. He was a priest and a king. I told us that if you want to understand anything in the Bible, try and find out what's the order of the first mention. What was it originally used for? Before it was lost in many over time. Now, in this passage, the Bible makes us understand that this man that showed up, he was a strange man. And then he looked at Abraham and he carried things, two things in his hand. It was bread and wine. So he offered Abraham bread and wine. Now, Abraham didn't say he was hungry. So that's for you to know what he offered him was not for food. But it didn't make sense. We will have to travel to the New Testament to understand fully what he offered him. Also, we will need to get to the New Testament to actually know the identity of this man. What kind of man did he represent? But so much that we knew, the Bible said, he said unto him, Blessed be Abraham, by God most high, I decree that you are blessed. When he said you are blessed by God, he said God most high. He has a final say. And if God has blessed you, who can curse you? He said he's the creator of heaven and earth. Again, he was showing Abraham that the person who actually is sustaining you, he is the one who is in charge of everything in the entire universe. This man that met Abraham said to him, and pray, somebody say praise. Praise be to God most high. When we give praise, we give to God most high. Always keep at the back of your mind, what kind of God am I talking about? Most high. God is not a man that you and I can just treat anyhow. 
most high. He's higher than you can think about the thrones of on earth. Now, this man now told Abraham the reason why he came. He said, for he has delivered your enemy into your hands. Wow. Abraham, the reason you went to war and you came back was because God delivered your enemy into your hands. I prophesy over somebody here today. I don't know how many enemies are after your life, but God will deliver them in your hands. God will confuse their strategy. God will break their alliance. God will scatter their union. I pray that you will return with praises. You will return with results. You will return with testimonies. Because God is fighting for you. And then he gave him his bread and wine. And Abraham took it. Now the scripture didn't tell us that he served it to his servants. That's for you to know there's something going on here. Abraham, he did something else that was amazing. When you encounter God, because of the kind of spirit you have within you, it's not everything that needs to be spelled out you should know how to do. As a matter of fact, when you encounter glory, you must know that you will lose all arguments. This is why you must understand that, that God requires holiness and reverence. This man, the moment he received the wine and the bread and he got the prophetic blessing, the Bible said, Abraham, he did something that nobody else has done before that time. The Bible said he gave this man a tithe of all he had. Now, I know some of us will be thinking a tithe of all, that can be big. You just say, okay, bring that chest of uh, gold. Give it to a guy, that should be enough. Oga, are you okay? No. What could be the size of a tithe of five nations? I'm, trying, I'm, I'm talking to intelligent people. I want to think. And spiritual too. The wealth of five nations, he gave it over. Now, the next thing I actually I looked at in that passage, the man did not say, oh, what's this for? I've told you all across, you can see this consistency. Offerings offered to God, God did not say, why did you bring it? Rather, God will judge it. So, which means he was expecting it. So, there are three things I want to show you about this man. Or three things in this passage. Which were occurring for the first time. Besides the fact that this was the very first time tithe was being given. Number one. Offering was given to God through a human mediation in form of a priest. Abraham immediately gave a tithe to God because he was told God was your defender. God was your deliverer. Now, I thought when you give, you give it to God, you raise an altar. Yeah, that's what Abraham is doing here. But Abraham is taking us in this discourse of ours into another level. And that's the whole point. That's why Abraham is the father of faith. Abraham's model became the model that God is showing to you and I. Because Abraham now took everything you have learned so far. From Noah, from Ark, from Cain. Everything is now being brought forward in the life of Abraham. So Abraham, he gave a tithe to a human mediation. Why? Is that not a thief? This man did not fight. This man did not go to the battle. This man didn't know whether they actually had bruises in their body. But he took the tithe. That's where a lot of people have issues. Because whenever you see a person that you think the tithe is being given, you think, oh, it's a human being. He's taking my money. Those pastors are thieves. But what I'm trying to show you here is Abraham did not give the money to a man. 
The Bible said this man was the priest of God most high. Are you listening to me now? He was not given to him. He was given to he who he represented. It's the person he represented that he was giving it to. When you give, you are giving to the Lord. Abraham didn't say, by the way, all the things I gave to you, what are you going to do with it? No. Why? Because Abraham understands this man is a priest and a king. I don't know why. What is the link between these two things? It's because it represents the government of God. The second thing I want to notice before I come back to that government. Another first mention here in the story is, this is the first time the word priest was being mentioned at all in the Bible. So we are encountering the word priest for the first time. Before this moment, there was nothing mentioned because you will need to get to Leviticus, get to Exodus and all that before you begin to find that God speaking to Moses to call his brother and then for them to become the Levitical priesthood. As at this time, Israel was not even existing. Yet we had a priest. But what kind of priest are we talking about? The Bible now tells us the kind of priest we are talking about here. In Hebrews chapter 7, let's read. Hebrews chapter 7 from verse 1. He said, for this Melchizedek, we want to know the identity of the man. This Melchizedek, the king of Salem. Salem is Jerusalem. Priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. Now, New Testament is repeating what happened. He said, this man is, trans- is called the king of righteousness. Also, the king of Salem, meaning the king of peace. Who is that pointing to for you? He said, he is one without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but was made like the son of God. He remains a priest forever, continually. That's the man that showed up and met Abraham. Okay, let's keep reading verse 14. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah. Now, I love the writer of Hebrew. He said, but we all know the history. We know the genealogy of Jesus Christ is from Judah. And we also know he's not one of the Leviticus priesthood. Oh, I love this. He said, yet it is more evident that if in the likeness of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who has come, not according to the law of fleshy commandment, but according to the power of endless life. For he testified, you are a priest forever. According to the other Melchizedek. What is he saying here? Jesus Christ came in the order of Melchizedek. Now, Jesus Christ is the one that set you up and called you what? You are a king and a priest. Am I talking to people who know the Bible? So you and I are in the order of Jesus, which Melchizedek actually represented. Third thing, this is the first time that we will see offering being mentioned that was not burnt. Remember every offering you have talked about in Noah, in Cain, they burnt them, right? This is to show you, when tithe now was introduced, it was not limited to agricultural products. Because the man had gold, he had silver, he had slaves, he had properties. And then the Bible said he gave a tenth of them. He gave a tenth of them. Why? Because the purpose of giving them was for the work of the state. The man was the king. And our tithe is not, we're not meant to gather money and then burn it. The reason why that was done like that, for you to understand, that was needed 
to build Salem. It was for the work of the city. Now, God's work continues through my tight, your tight, as we give it over to God. Every time you and I hold back, in obeying God, I say, God, I love you, Lord, but I won't give you nothing. You will say, maintain your city by yourself, even though I want the benefits of the city. So in Matthew 22, verse 21, for you to see, they asked Jesus Christ a question at this point. They said to him, verse 20, they said to him that, sir, who should we actually give to? Who should we give our money to? So he asked them, okay, bring me uh, a coin. He asked them whose image is, and inscription is on this coin. This is Jesus Christ speaking. So they said to him, verse 21, of course, that's Caesar's. So he now said to them, okay, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. That's the state. Render unto God the things that are God's. You see that Jesus Christ, make you to understand, there is the state, there is the priest. Amen. So in that chapter, after he offered the tithe, then he left the king. He went home. What he did triggered heaven. Every time you obey God, heaven answers you. Now listen to this. He didn't get home and needed to pray. He didn't need to pray. We pray when we should actually act in obedience. That's what we like to do. As if the prayer will cover our obedience that we have not done. He went home after he had done the right thing. And heaven came to look for him there. Genesis 15 verse 1. Look at what he says. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham. In a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield. Your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, uh, yeah. What would you give me? Seeing I go childless, I love you, Lord. I serve you, Lord. I've been obeying your principles all my life. But look at me. God said, really? Is that what you think of me? So God told him, okay, boy, come, come with me. So God took him out. Look at the sky. So he looked at the sky. So what's there? Which one of these is my child? God said, no. You see, just like you cannot count the stars, that's how you will not be able to count your children. I want to prophesy over somebody here today. In the midst of your darkness, may God show you a shining light. Yeah. It was a dark night. A dark moment. And many people here will tell you they have been in those kind of moments before. God is not afraid. Once you've done the right thing, God will answer even your most silly questions. God now said, you know what? I'm not even going to stop there. What God did here actually blew my mind. It blew my mind. God decided to do what you wouldn't expect God to do. What did he do? He did the next first thing again. God demanded an offering the first time ever in the Bible. God will ask for an offering. He said, Abraham, I need an offering from you. I thought the guy just paid tithes. Not that kind of offering. He said to him, Abraham, bring me three heifers. Let's see those things that he listed. He asked for Genesis 15 verse 9, please, quickly. He said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, now two birds, a turtle dove, 
and a young pigeon. Now, that was the only offering God asked for. What will he do with that? Watch it. God knew the background of Abraham was the Chaldeans. They normally make blood sacrifice or blood covenant. Not that Abraham is in it anymore, but that assures you that when this kind of covenant is made, it is bang, you can take it to the bank. Now, friends, when he brought these elements, Abraham himself knew what to do. God didn't even tell him. He went and he cut the big animals into two. He cut the heifer, he cut the ram, he cut the he goat. And then he put them both sides. And then he put the two boards, one board here, one board there. So we have eight elements. On this side and on that side. In their culture, when you want to strike a covenant with somebody that I will not fail you, this is what you do. You cut things like that. You now have to both walk in between. So the Bible said, Abraham sat down. He was waiting for the next instruction. Okay, okay. When are we going to walk through? And God said, God said, me and you, we're not the same level. Because I came to your level, does not mean you have the capacity to make a covenant with me. It is God who makes covenants. Are you listening to me now? We make vows, but God makes covenants. So, the Bible said that it was going down to the evening time because they're dead bodies. God now sent him to sleep. Went into a trance. And the Bible said, and then a fire came and walked through the two. So Abraham could see, but he could not participate. And now God told him. What is he saying by that? By him walking through. He was saying to Abraham, Abraham, my friend, if I ever fail you in the things I have spoken to you, if I ever bring shame to you, after you are bowed to me, may I cease to exist like these animals? Are you following me? What many people here know is the power of the occultic. But you don't know. The occultic don't have anything than the one they have taken from God. This is the deep stuff. If I fail you in my word after what you have done, God put himself on the line. So Abraham woke up. And God told him that your children will dwell in a foreign land. And then after many years, 400 years, they will come out again. So they woke up. Now, I love verse, see verse 6, isn't it? Or so. The Bible said, and Abraham believed God. What changed in Abraham's life at that moment? Did he receive the baby? Was his wife pregnant? In fact, as at this time, the wife was not in the equation. She still didn't believe anything, right? But what happened is Abraham felt, ah, ah, what else do I want from God? And some of us, we need to walk with God to a point where even though you have not yet received certain things you're asking for God, God for, but God must have revealed himself to you to a point. Are you following me now? Where you will say, ah, ah, what else do I want? You don't say, God, prove yourself today. Then it's only babies who talk like that. Because after he has proved himself once, he doesn't have time for you to be proving himself on every little thing you are coming across. So the Bible said, Abraham believed God. And then it was counted unto him for righteousness. That was the end of it for Abraham. From that day, Abraham came to another level of work with God. And you never found Abraham doubting. But Abraham was sure that God said, I will have children, even at old age. So let me fast track the whole thing. So that's the second offering I just showed you. The first one was when he gave his tithes. The second offering was when God cut a covenant with him. 
So after some time, Isaac came. Isaac was born. And everything looked fine. This is the point where I love Christianity. After you have received what you are waiting for, what kind of life do you live thereafter? Anybody can be humble while we are waiting. We can trust God. We can do this. But not everybody remains the same after they have received it. So God knew. Abraham knew how to receive. And he also knew. Abraham is saying, I'm, a, I'm your friend. I'll do anything. I believe that. In Genesis 22, on this faithful day, the Bible said God decided to test Abraham. And I find God that the scripture said he tested Abraham. Every time God asks you for something, he's to test your heart. Watch this. He tested Abraham and said to Abraham, and he said, here I am. Now you see that your son, the one whom you love. Bring him to me as the burnt offering. Is that not the time the man should wonder, ah, ah, what kind of God is this one? I thought I was following a real God. He didn't doubt it to the mountain which I will show you. Abraham said, oh, okay, no problem. And people say, why didn't he tell his wife? <laughs> because <laughs> it's not everything you tell. <laughs> there are some sacrifices that you have to die to yourself. But really, the real answer is because Abraham knew that nothing is going to change when I come back. That's actually the real answer. He didn't tell his wife because he knew. And the Bible tells us that. So Abraham traveled with his son and their servant. And when they got to a place and he can see the mountain ahead, he told their servant, okay, stay here. For I and the lad will go yonder and worship and return. Who talks like that? You are about to leave the only one thing you have in your life. And you are saying you are coming back with it. He must be a person who knows this God. He cannot leave me in shame. Are you listening to me now? He must be a person who understands that if this God calls for it, he has something better. So the Bible said, let me now speed up. The Bible said so. They left. But why they were going? Isaac. Dad. I can see the wood. I can see the fire. But where is the lamb? Which is to tell us again. That Abraham had trained his son. About giving to God. I ask you. Have you trained your children? About giving to God. None of our children is too young to give to God. So Abraham got out of this place. He now said to his son, he said, son, the Lord will provide for himself a lamb. Amen? Amen. May the Lord provide. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Every time you put God first, did you notice something? Isaac didn't argue. But how will he provide? And then when they got there, the Bible tells us that he tied his hands. He got the boy ready and he had the knife Isaac was not a little boy. And you are talking about a very old 115-year-old man by this time. He could have fought the dad off. But he submitted himself. Why? Because he is an offering. He is a seed. He released himself. Why? Because Abraham knew and the boy knew. Now watch. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. The boy trusted the father. The father trusted the father. 
While he was binding his eyes, he didn't fight. While he was tying his hand, he didn't fight. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 now tells us in verse 17. He said, for by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up, not about to, he offered up Isaac. And he who had received, this is what I love about it, he who had received the promise, offered up his only begotten son. He's only, not two, not three of them. Just like Noah had to and gave the best of everything. The Bible says of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding. I like that conclusion. That's all I wanted to please take home this afternoon. What's going to be your conclusion about God? He concluded that God was able. So as far as Abraham was concerned, this is what's going to happen today. I'm going to cut him. He will die. Then I will go and sit like the other day. And then I will watch. And then, oh, I can't wait for God to do this. That's what's going on in the head of Abraham. Then I will sit. And then God will do his thing. He's always raising the dead. Why? How did he know? Because he was dead. The Bible says, not considering the deadness of Sarah's womb. So the Bible says, God says, stop it. Ah, Abraham. Oh, now I know. Oh, what you have done. Friends, you think you have got the best from God until you do your next, next giving. I'm serious. Until you blow his mind, you don't know what's in the hand of God. I'm not trying to get anything out of you. I'm trying to, this is what I live in. The same God who called him out, who told him, come out, I will take you to a land, right? Do you think God forgot every other promise? Then in Genesis 15, the same God spoke to him again. He said, oh, your children will multitude. Then he didn't stop. Then now that he actually offered his son, the promise he never got from God, now he got it. Can you see the progression? Why? Because the progression of trust was in there. Anybody here who knows about giving to the Lord will tell you that they have a personal covenant with God. Now, what are the benefits? I don't have time to go into all that today because our time is gone, as you can see. But I felt I needed you to see these things. The Lord provided on the mountain. And the Bible said that they returned. Now, I want to see the blessing that goes with obedience. So the Lord now spoke to Abraham. He said to him that, because you have not withheld, you have done this thing in verse 15. Because you have done this thing. And don't forget it. Don't expect the blessings to come without doing these things. The scriptures will only make records of certain things to guide your thinking. Many of us actually are the ones cutting ourselves short. Look at what happened there. Abraham never expected what came after. The Bible said, you have not withheld your son, your only son. Therefore, blessing, I will bless you. I thought you told me that before. Ah, he said, no, you have not heard. In multiplying, I will multiply your descendants. As the stars of the heaven. Yeah, you told me that before. No, you have not heard all. And as the sound, which is in the seashore. Now, he never said that before. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemy. And I said to him, and in your seed, the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Somebody say, Jehovah, my perpetual provider. My dear friends, in any situation you'll find yourself, you must understand 
that there is a God who reigned before you into that moment. We have no alternative than obedience in God. Oh, it's hard. Of course, it was hard to lay Isaac on the altar. It was hard for Noah to take one, one, one of all the good animals. It was hard. It's hard when many of us have to obey God in certain moment. But you know why it becomes easier? Because we just know there is no alternative. No option. Now, when you realize there is no option, this is the only way to go, you do it. And you don't think about it because you know the blessing coming after it. You can't count it. I want to close this with a prayer and an altar call. I want you to raise an altar in your heart. I want to imagine you are standing before God. I need you now to talk to God and say, Lord, I am sorry. I have believed in a lie. But from this day onward, accept my heart of repentance. Say, Lord, I will no longer magnify money over you. Money will become what you will step upon. You will step on it. That's where your worship is free. Father, in the name of Jesus, we gather around this altar in total submission and repentance. And we are saying we love you, Lord. We are saying we adore you. We say there is no other God. We will no longer lift gold. We will no longer lift mammon above you. And as a sign of repentance, we come to you today. Lord, forgive us. Heal our hearts. Heal our land. And heal our hand. That as we obey you, cause there to be speed this year. Breakthroughs this year. Blessings this year. Things that money can't buy. Things that have taken many people years to gather. Let it come into our hands like that. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We bless, we exalt you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We do hope you have been blessed. Our special thanks go to all our partners who give generously to support our ministry. You are welcome to be one of us. If you'd like someone to talk to you on any of the issues raised in today's message, please do call us on plus 44 208-597-3110 or you visit our website on www.hccenter.org.uk. May the peace of the Lord guard you and keep you till we meet again. God bless you.